0: Linda Mayo and I've been here I think since October I want to say I started. Well my
1: name is Justin Tyler because I've known Brady since um, since high school like that's when he started his youth ministry but I think I was a junior or senior in high school so that's when I first got to know Brady because he was hanging out at the high school um, doing the Young Life stuff.
0: I met um, Brady actually at a David Ruiz concert and I was um, Kind of singing, kind of loud at the in the in the, in the sermon because I love David Rose, and he heard me. I guess after the sermon, he came up to me. He's like, "You have to, you have to get up on stage. You have to go and um, and get up there somehow." And so then I was like, "Okay, I'll try."
1: Well, God, you know, pretty much put on our heart to get to get baptized. Um, Pastor Brady was like, "Hey, can I can I baptize you guys?" And it was awesome because, you know, having that relationship with him from the past and then now, here he is baptizing us, it, it was just really cool.
0: I was already helping with the children's ministry, so I, I thought, okay, I'll just start the process of how to get on the worship team because I felt like when he told me that, I felt like I really needed to do that.
1: We went and met in, you know, initially you know we were meeting in houses, which was awesome because you know that's biblical, and a lot of people don't get to experience that.
0: Um, I just tried, and it just was not working. So I was like, I'll just keep waiting, God. I don't really know what You're doing, and everything. And so,
1: so what church used to be to me was it was just a building, and I'd go there and sing and listen to a preacher preach, and that has changed greatly. Um, this past year has really come to fruition to what church really was meant to be and it's been awesome um, because like I feel a part of the church and you know because God says the church is, is, is the body of Christ and so being a part of that body of Christ and then also just getting to know old friends and then getting to know new friends and and um, really just become a part of this church has been has been awesome.
0: I saw that um, he started his own church and all of a sudden here I am like on the worship team and it's been exciting and scary all at the same time
1: I have a lot of memories of several members from from church as far as you know from my past you know growing up I shared a lot of joys with them even though you know they might not have known that I shared joys with them I shared a lot of sorrows and heartache with them but to bring it all back together and like be part of this body is just it's beautiful.
0: I feel like it's like a community I do feel that you know like you I get to know people like I've met, known people on the worship team it's been nice to just get back to that um, small feeling church and just everybody starts to get to know you and encourages you and and that's kind of been really helpful.
1: You no, know, our My marriage has struggled at times and um, just as I think everybody has and through counsel and um, through through love and through um, just sharing life together, it has really helped my wife and me um, to really grow our marriage stronger through our faith and um, to really grow relationships that we can trust and that we can share with, with other marriages.
0: The worship team's been um, really helpful for me because um, just getting to sing and let my I felt like I always had a calling to be a singer and it's just been like cool because here I am at the calling and I get to use my you know what I, I feel like I was supposed to do when I was little you know so it's been kind of really nice to get to do that again
1: what it's all about you know that's it's, it's about sharing experiences and and um, just to grow our grow the church and grow the, you know um, the needs of the church and the needs of the community to be able to, to to give to that and to receive that. I would like to challenge the church, um, myself included, to listen and listen to what God is telling you, telling you and, and really to be obedient in His uh, instructions and, and just to be active in church um, and the community because that's what we need, and that's what our community needs.
2: a beautiful opportunity to be a part of that of their story and so many more stories that we've got a chance to be a part of and that's what happens when you do church together and it's more than just attending but it's doing life together and i'm so excited to see so many familiar faces and faces that have known me for a really really long time when i was just a broken young man who walked into the doors of the Baptist Church in Platt City, single dad, not having a clue what I was supposed to be doing with my life, and God began to put all the pieces together back then, and it's been so great. So if you are a guest or a visitor with us here today, this is the Calling Community Church, and we are so happy that you are here. As you can tell, we have a lot more seats to fill, but we're glad you're in the ones that you're in today. And so here's what I want to do right now. I want to have the core team of the Calling Community Church all come up here with me. Courts, if you've been, I know we didn't rehearse this, but that's okay. We just have to get over it. (laughs) Come on up. I've heard it said many different times that uh, as a leader, you're only as good as the people that you're surrounded with. And so that makes me a really dynamic leader. Not because of anything that I've done, but because of these people that are standing up here right now. And so, just real quick, I just want to make sure that you know who they are and what it is that they, that they do here. This is my wife, Trish, and you can pretty imagine what it is that she does here, putting up with me for all, the rest of the week. And then she also makes sure all the children's ministry stuff gets set up on Sunday mornings, and she's behind the scenes, and that's how she likes it. She's probably frustrated that I'm putting her up in front of everybody right now. And this is Tara, Tara Bledsoe. Tara uh, is part of our board, and tr- my wife's on the board, too, and Tara is the, she helps with the coffee ministry, and g- blessings that come along with, with getting to know people is sometimes you have to, have to say goodbye, too. Tara is leaving in August to go to a ministry school in Colorado, and it's going to be an incredible experience for her. She's just going to blossom and grow and do incredible things, and we're going to miss her when she's gone, and then Ryan is connected with these two down here on the end, and he's been a part of our setup team, helping with uh, the, all the logistical things, with putting the slides up on the screen and those kind of things from the very beginning. He's been working with Zach. This is Zach Zupan. Zach and his wife, Ginger. They, uh, we had, a, we had a, a time at their house one night when they said, hey, if you, if you start a church, we want to go with you. It, would it be okay? And I'm like, are you kidding me? Please, would it be okay? Please come with us because they bring so much ...to the table. Zach makes sure all of the stuff, all the sound, all the video, all that stuff works. And if, if he can't fix it, it can't be fixed, and we just throw it away, all right? He's, and that's the same way with my vehicles. If he can't fix it, we just get rid of them. And so Zach uh, Zupan has been a part from the very beginning as well. And then his wife, Ginger, is the director of ministry. She makes sure that all the things that are, that are supposed to happen, happen. Um, sometimes behind the scenes, sometimes in front of the scenes. But she's also my assistant, and so we meet weekly... We make sure the calendar stuff is good. She makes sure that I am staying on track, refocused. She has to pull me back in every once in a while, make sure I'm doing what I'm supposed to be doing. And it, she was at Vineyard Church when I first started at Vineyard, and I really thought she was going to be my go-to person there, but she kind of faded out of the picture for a little while, and God knew what he was doing. He was just waiting for this moment, for her to be able to serve with me here at the church. And so I really appreciate the two of them. This is Janae Ryder. Her her last name used to be Cooper until over a year ago, when she got married to this guy right here, Dan. Janae is—if you volunteer for anything, if you sign up to volunteer, she will schedule you to be there, and then she'll expect you to show up. All right? She's not going to babysit you; that's not her job. She's a teacher. She does that full time during the school year, and so Janae is a precious. She's like our daughter. We've known her since she was in fifth grade. I baptized her in a pool at camp New Hope up in Holt, Missouri and was part of her wedding, and just part of her life, and just we love her so much. And then Dan, I watched him get baptized when he was 16 years old at uh, Mount Zion Baptist Church up in Edgerton, Missouri. And when we started the church, Dan said, I'm in, what do you want, whatever you need me to do. And Dan took this, this, uh, this job of doing all of the necessary stuff that you have to do to start a church, all of the paperwork that goes into starting a business, all of the tax stuff, all the financial stuff. He's the He's our Dave Ramsey guru. He keeps us financially sound, and he's such a great, he has to like tweak me a little bit every once in a while to keep me, uh, keep me moving in the right direction, but Dan's a, is a great friend of mine, and I appreciate him so much. And this right here are the Hensleys. This is Jimmy and Stephanie, Stephanie Hensley. Some of you, and if you know my story at all, when I got called to go preach in view of a call to preach at a small church up in Dearborn, she was the one who called me. That day, she was on the pulpit committee, and it, obviously it didn't work out, and praise God that it didn't, because we wouldn't be standing here today if that was the case. I would probably be in jail or something like that. With all, it's a whole long story. We'll tell that later. And then, then her husband, Jimmy, is, uh, he's on the board uh, of directors, and so they help us make decisions and, and do all the things. And Jimmy meets with me on Sunday morning early and prays with me before the service starts. I have a few men that come and do that. And if you're a man and you like to pray and you want to encourage me on Sunday morning, show up at 9.45, 9.45, and we'll go and pray together. I appreciate all the help I can get, and, they, and they're great for me to, and they're great friends. So we've got to be a chance and be a part of their family, and I'll be on vacation with them. Yeah, you know you really love someone when you drive to Colorado in a van with 11 people or 15 or however many people, you have 20, I don't remember. And then on the end is Tony and Beth Nealon. And we have been in their life for a long time. I did their wedding in their home, and they are part of our board. Uh, Beth uh, keeps all of the, the minutes at our board meetings to make sure that we're doing everything. Dan and her work together to make sure everything's the way it's supposed to be. There's a lot that goes into starting a church, a lot more than I ever had a, a clue about. Matter of fact, someone said, how'd you do it? I said, I have no idea. <laughs> I re- honestly really don't know, other than this is how we did it. All of these people bringing their gifts and their tools to the table and saying, here's what I have, can you use this? And then God made it all happen. And so I wanted you to see their faces, and I want to, I want to just, while they're up here, I I just want to pray this prayer. If you just pray with me, and this is for them and for you and for all of us as as we celebrate this first anniversary. Father in heaven. I I praise you, Lord, for planting this dream of a new church in each of our hearts, individually and corporately. I am so grateful to you, Lord, for calling us, equipping us, providing for us, challenging us, leading us, and sustaining us during this past year. Your word says that every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from you, the Father of heavenly lights, and you do not change like shifting shadows. The best gift that you have given us, Lord, is the grace that we have received through faith in the death and resurrection of your Son. For that, we are all eternally thankful. The next best gift is each other. I praise you, Father, for this core team of people who have sacrificed to make this church a reality. They are my brothers and they are my sisters. You handpicked each one of them to use their gifts to serve you in the body of Christ. Lord, you know that I have been humbled and amazed from the day one about all the people he had brought to the calling. I cannot bless you enough for the way you have blessed us with so many new family members in the body of Christ. They have come from the north, the south, the east, and the west. Thank you, Jesus, for allowing us to make a difference in the lives of people just like Justin and Linda and everyone else who has been impacted by this church. Thank you for all the people here that were without a place to belong, that now call this their church home. Father, bless the ones that have came and the ones that did not stay. Bless the ones that have yet to come. We're saving a seat for them. We praise you, Father, for all of the babies that have been born and dedicated in this place. Lord, raise them up to be a mighty generation of young followers of Jesus. As we look ahead to what lies in front of us, please lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from the evil one. Fill us with your knowledge and wisdom. Help us to follow your leading, God. Show us how to make the greatest impact as possible for your kingdom. Give us opportunities to be the hands and feet of Jesus to do our part in this world. We love you, Lord, and we trust you. Now to the one who is able to do immeasurably more than all could ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us, to you be the glory in the calling community church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever, amen, amen. So give these people a hand for all that they've done. The thing that's so wonderful is most of them would really just want to be in the shadows and, but I wanted you to know that every single week, every single Sunday, this happens because of people who love the Lord, they love each other, and they love you. And they're here. And it does require a sacrifice. It requires a time, which time is the greatest gift you can give someone because you can't get it back, right? Once you give it, it's gone. It requires financial sacrifice. All of them have invested in making sure that we have everything that we need. They kind of sowed the seed and then it started to grow. And then everybody else that has come has come along to, to put in their gift as well. And that's, that's you, all of those that have been here up until this point. So last year, a year ago today, the first message that, that I preached was out of the book of Colossians chapter 3 and it's kind of funny because today we're all the way around like we went through the whole Bible in a sense and we've come all the way around now to Colossians 2 back to where we started, back to where we'll, we'll be come next week because I'll do Colossians 3 then. So that's where we're going to be. So if you have your Bible, turn in, turn in your Bible to Colossians, just the, just the whole book, turn there first, and we'll start with uh, chapter two. But hopefully, my challenge last week, and it has been, is to read the book of Colossians every day. I'm not going to make you raise your hand for fear of pridefulness, because you're like, yes, that was me, I've been reading every day, or for fear of shame, because you haven't been reading your Bible every single day. But I want to encourage you to do that, because here's what happens. When you do that, you become so familiar with it that it just becomes a part of who you are. And I think that's, that's pretty awesome that you can be a part of that. And so we're looking at this book uh, written uh, by the Apostle Paul from prison, from prison, and which is pretty amazing to me. At the end of this month, we're gonna have a pastor who was in prison in Cuba for his faith. And while he was in there, God began to birth this idea of planting a church, coming to America and planting a church. And he's gonna tell his story at the end of this month. And once again, I'm so sorry that it's warm in here. I wish I could do something about it. Hopefully we'll just, we'll make it through. I'll try to keep it short and sweet, which some of you know that's not easy for me to do. So the book of Colossians, written to the church in Coloss I or Coloss A, we'll go with Coloss A, E-I-O-R-U, we'll just go with Coloss A just to make it simple for everyone, is, is this book to, to, to encourage the believers, this new church, really basically is, is this, stay focused on Jesus. He is the fullness. He is the supremacy of God. Like, he's everything that you need. Can I get an amen? And that's the message still for us, it's still for this church today, which I love at the end of this book where it says, Paul says, make sure that this, this letter gets read to the church in Laodicea, make sure that they hear it, make sure it gets spread around, and I love the fact that it's really kind of saying this too. It, the words aren't in the Bible, but I think it's saying, hey, make sure this letter gets read to the church in Platte City. Make sure they hear this word. Because what was going on then is still going on today in our world. There's still some false teaching and worldly wisdom that people are, will tend to go off and follow. Like, yeah, okay, I got Jesus, but then they'll go follow all these other worldly wisdom things. So I want to ask you a question. What are some examples of some worldly wisdom? And here's, and I'll give you a few that I just thought of real quick. Here's, here's some worldly wisdom. Just follow your heart. Now, that just sounds, it, it's a, found, it's a fine sounding argument, does it? And it sounds kind of, yeah, if you just follow your heart. It sounds like a good thing. But you know what the Bible says? Your heart is wicked. <laughs> you know, like, Sometimes I've followed my heart, and it's led me in some really bad places because my heart was not in the right place. Now, if your heart is focused on the Lord and you follow your heart, this is a little bit different, but just following your heart can be dangerous. This was, a, this was one that was kind of popular not too long ago, and it's kind of died out a little bit, but YOLO. That's some worldly words. You only live once. Therefore, just get the most out of life as you possibly can, which, which the truth is, is if you believe in the death and resurrection, you, you live more than once. There's going to be a second life and how you live in this life is going to determine what that life looks like. So this idea of you only live once, make sure you live it the right way. So you can spin it into some, and take it back to Jesus, but if you only say, well, you only live once, just do whatever you want to do, leads us into this. If it feels good, do it. That's some worldly wisdom. If it feels good, do it. Now, I agree if that's, coming to church and worshiping and serving the Lord. If it feels good, do it. I encourage you to do that as well. But even, even come, even if it doesn't feel good, that's where the challenge really comes. Like even if it doesn't feel like it's what I really want to do today or, or whatever, sometimes you push through that. That's when you get the, the most blessing. And then the last one I came up with is you can only trust yourself. I see that sometimes. Like I'm done trusting other people. I'm just going to trust myself. How many of you have ever fallen into that trap where you've just trusted yourself? And where has that led you? <laughs> yeah, I yeah, I can I can go on and on about that, tr- trusting myself. So just real quick, has anybody got any is anybody generating some thought? What is some other worldly wisdom that is out there that you've heard before? You can shout it out. Any huh? Just be yourself. That's right. Just be yourself. It's kind of like trusting yourself. Just be yourself. Okay, that's just the way I am. Just deal with it. I'm a man. That's what men do. Okay? That's a cop-out. Even though there are some things that men do that women don't do. Uh, there's a lot of those things. Um, but, yeah, so that's, that's kind of a cop-out. Anything else? What mama don't know won't hurt her. Be careful. My mom's here today. There she is back there. <laughs> yeah, there's some stuff that we started to tell my mom later on in life. and She's like, I don't even want to know, all right? I didn't know then. I don't want to know now. Yeah, so that's, that's some good wisdom there too. But there was this guy named Jean-Paul Sartre who said that worldly wisdom is, is empty. And his quote is, life is an empty bubble on the sea of nothingness. It's like it's just, it's, it's empty. It's really, there's no substance. When you really dig down into it, there's really no substance to it, to those kind of sayings or those kind of wisdom. But you see it all the time. People tend to live their life based on those things. Maybe they live their life based on what the fortune cookie says that day, you know, or, or what their horoscope says, or, or, what, or even what some of their, their friends are saying, which, which advice from friends is good as long as it's, it's truth as long as it's grounded in, in, in truth. All right, so let's look at Colossians chapter two. I want you to know, and as Paul, remember Paul's writing to the church. He says, I want you to know how hard I am contending for you and for those at Laodicea and for all who have not met me personally. My goal, all right, here's a, here's some, here's a couple quick points that you can take away real quick. My goal is that they may be encouraged in heart. because one of the things he wants the church to be encouraged in heart. That's for you today as well. United in love. So encouraged in heart and united in love. And the purpose are so that that you may have the full riches of complete understanding in order that they may know the mystery of God, namely Christ, in whom are hidden all treasures of wisdom and knowledge." And he says, I tell you this so that no one may deceive you by these fine-sounding arguments. For though I am absent from you in the body, I am present with you in the spirit and delight to see how disciplined you are and how firm your faith in Christ is. And so he wants them to be encouraged in heart, united in love, for the purpose of them having the full riches of complete understanding. He talks about knowledge and wisdom that are that are in Christ. And so I was reading this in this commentary and it had this phrase that knowledge or truth that is apprehended is the first step. Once you apprehend truth, like you're like, oh, I got it, okay? I'm holding on to it. It's in my head. I'm I'm starting to get this. Wisdom is the life application of the knowledge. And that second step has to happen. If you acquire knowledge, like I know what I'm supposed to do, but yet you never do it, Scripture actually says you deceive yourself if you just merely listen to the Word but don't do what it says. So you come on Sunday mornings, you get into your Word, you get in Bible study, and you're around some other people, or you're listening, and all of a sudden you get some some knowledge. You're like, yes, I've apprehended that truth. But now what are you going to do with it? wisdom is allowing you to apply it to your life and then trusting God to to work that out in your life like okay I'm going to trust you Lord this wisdom and knowledge comes from you I'm going to apply it to my life and I'm going to watch how it works and listen here's the deal sometimes we get it and we apply it and then we get frustrated with the result well that's not what I thought it was going to be or you know I've been I heard um someone share one time like well You know, I've been going to church. Man, it seems like since I've been going to church, things have gotten even more difficult. Because you're getting all this knowledge, and you're starting to apply it, and it's starting to kind of peel away some of the layers of all this this maybe fine-sounding arguments in your life that haven't been working. And you're getting down to the truth. And sometimes the truth hurts a little bit. And he's just trying to remind them, like, hey, you heard the truth of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ, don't steer away from that, don't fade away from that, stay with that, stay with Jesus, stay with the fullness of who Christ is. He's this mystery that is being revealed to you. So I want to encourage you today, when you come to church and when you put yourself in place where you can receive knowledge, you ask God for wisdom to how to live it out. Because truly, if all you get is knowledge when you're here, but you never apply it to your life, you're wasting your time. And you're not, not only you're wasting your time, but you're not really ever fully living all that the Lord has for you. Like, you've got to go and and try it out, apply it. Like, we received knowledge a year, or over a year ago, that God wanted to do something different in our lives, and we wanted to start this church. What if we would have never applied it, and never stepped out in faith? And so he was encouraging the people, get a hold of this truth and then apply it to your life. Let's go on to verse 6. So then, just as you receive Christ Jesus as Lord, continue to live your lives in him, rooted and built up in him, strengthened in the faith as you were taught, and overflowing with thankfulness. So I think that's good. Let's, every single time that I, that I get in God's word or I think about what Jesus has done for me, I want to be overwhelmed with thankfulness. God, I'm just so grateful that you have rescued me out of the life I used to live and brought me into this new place. Like in chapter one, it says he rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into this kingdom of light. And the difference between darkness and light is pretty severe. Like here compared to backstage, completely different. Out here, I can see everything back there. I'm blinded and I have to get out my phone and get my little flashlight out to see where I was going. There's such a vast difference between light and dark. And he said, just overflow with thankfulness. See see to it that no one takes you captive through hollow and deceptive philosophy, which depends on human tradition and elemental spiritual forces of this world rather than on Christ. There was a, a small group of people in this church that were converts from Judaism, from the Jewish law to Christianity, but with their past knowledge, they came into this relationship with Christ, and they were basically telling the other people in the church that, okay, yeah, I get it—that Jesus is the fullness, and Jesus is all you need. But we also believe that you should um, follow the laws of the Old Testament too, and you need to do both in order to be really uh, a really uh, solid follower of Jesus. And so they were actually telling um, people that they needed to be follow the dietary laws of the Old Testament. Uh, they, probably some of the Gentile men who had not been circumcised, there was probably some conversation going on saying, you're really not a, a follower of Jesus unless you are circumcised. And can you imagine if that was the hoop you had to jump through to come to church if you were a Gentile grown man? And if you know anything about circumcision at all, you would know, you're like, I- I'm not sure I really want to be a part of that church. I think I will go down the street and find one where the bar is a little bit lower for me to, uh, to get into. And they were just, it was more like, okay, yeah, it's Jesus, plus you have to do all these other things. Have you ever experienced that in church? Where you realize that, you know, I'm coming and I realize that, yeah, I put my faith in Jesus But they're kind of teaching me that I've got to do some other things in order to be saved, to really know salvation, to really follow Jesus. And I heard some teaching once when I was at Vineyard. It's like a bounded set of beliefs. Like, pretend like there's a circle, and inside the circle is the cross. And there's this thought of, unless you're inside the circle, you're really not one of His. And then the church decides for you what should be inside the circle. Your behavior, your actions outside of the church, the things that you should believe or not believe now if it lines up with scripture that's fine but in reality the Bible says that Jesus is enough for salvation and really all of those things kind of go away and we're all kind of at a different place in our walk if you if you know Jesus as your personal savior you might be walking with him in a little bit closer proximity than someone else but doesn't make you better than them that just makes you a little bit further along in the game where you can actually look back and say, hey, I know where you've been. I've already been there. Let me help you get to where we're going. It's all about Jesus anyway. But if we as a church start telling people, well, here's the deal. Uh, yeah, Jesus is good. You need Jesus. Okay, we let's, let's get all that down right now. But you also have to be, you have to sign up for the membership 101 here at the calling, which we don't have one of those. Um, and you have to sign up for this class if you really want to be like us. Now, it might be that membership 101 is a great class to get to know uh, what the church offers and how to serve, but it has nothing to do with your eternal security. But in this, this letter, Paul's saying, don't let people take you captive by that. Don't let them tell you that Jesus isn't enough. And I want to encourage you as a follower of Jesus Christ, if you're in any setting or any church or any teaching where they begin, you begin to think they're saying Jesus is not all-sufficient, He's not all in all. Like, there's other things you must do. Like, they, may, some churches may say, well, you need to be baptized in our church in order to really be saved. Or they may say, you need to be baptized at all to be saved. Which, just as a shameless plug, we're gonna do baptisms at the picnic, and if you haven't been baptized, come and get wet. It's gonna be awesome, all right? We will. We're actually gonna do it. We have people signed up to get baptized this time. It's gonna be awesome. So don't get, don't get taken captive by that. He says... Um, he says rather than on Christ. Like Jesus is the focus. He's bringing it back to Jesus as the focus. That was in verse 8. Okay, verse 9. For in Christ all the fullness of the deity lives in bodily form, and in Christ you have been brought to fullness. He is the head over every power and authority. And in him you were also circumcised with a circumcision not performed by human hands. Your whole self ruled by the flesh, was put off when you were circumcised by Christ. So your faith in Christ takes away all of that stuff. It's it's just a symbol of cleaning you and making you um, whole before the Lord. Having been buried with him in baptism, in which you were also raised with him through your faith in the working of God, who raised him from the dead. So baptism is this picture of the resurrection, buried with Christ, raised to walk in this new life. Old life gone, new life is here. And that's And baptism doesn't save you. It is a picture of your salvation. It is an outward symbol of what's already gone on in your heart. The circumcision is occurring on the inside of you. When you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. He forgave us all of our sins, having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, which stood against us and condemned us. It says he has taken it away, nailing it to the cross, and having disarmed the powers and authorities, he made a public spectacle of them, triumphing, uh, triumphing over them by the cross. Listen, ladies and gentlemen, that paragraph alone is so radical and so powerful to, the, to the, even their thought back then and to our thought today that what Jesus accomplished for us on the cross, taking away all of our sin, taking it upon himself. It was nailed with him on the cross, left there to hang this dead flesh so that we could walk in freedom. And if you read in chapter one, do we understand this morning? And this is a point I really want you to understand. Do we understand? And Brady, do you understand how I see you? This is what God's saying to me today. Brady, do you have any idea what I think about you? And I don't think we do. I think the closest thing we can come is when we have a newborn baby, if you've ever had that experience. The way you love that baby, A baby has not done anything to frustrate you yet. <laughs> yet. <laughs> but it's coming, <laughs> Wait till they're a teenager. But yet when you hold them and you like, I can't imagine loving anything more. That's how God sees you, but yet infinitely more than that. Because he's God and we're not. And in this thought, Paul's trying to get them to understand. Do you realize that if you start taking your focus off of Jesus, you're going to s- stop remembering how it is he sees you. In chapter one, it says he sees you as holy. Set apart, without blemish, perfect. Now, can I just tell you this morning that if you were to wrap your mind around this thought of of how God sees you, if you've put your faith in Jesus Christ, God sees you as perfect. But you don't see yourself as perfect. The world does not allow you to see yourself as perfect. All of the outside influences, all the voices, maybe all the voices in your head as a young child have not allowed you to see yourself the way God sees you. And, and, and what happens when you allow those, those fine-sounding arguments and those lies and those false philosophies to control you, when you apprehend that kind of truth, you live out a completely different life than God wants you to live. Does that make sense? And so God's purpose and as he writes this word he said Paul said in, in chapter one again I want to present you perfect in Christ like his goal is to take all of those lies away and he wants to line you up with the truth of God's word and how God sees you today because if you grabbed a hold of that today you would walk out of here and you'd feel better about your past than you do today and some of you need to leave that exactly where it's at because if you're going towards your past you're going the wrong direction. Because it's behind you and God has other things in front of you. And he wants to see, he wants you to see yourself that way. Now listen, it doesn't mean that you can say, okay, God sees me perfect so it doesn't matter how I live. No, 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 don't go there. Because we're going to get to that next week. Practical teaching, it does matter how you live. But I think once we grab the truth, apprehend the truth of who we are, it just compels me to live better for the Lord. Like it just makes it easier for me. Like, man, when I, know, when I knew my mom was proud of me and loved me, like, it just made me easier to do the right thing. It's made it easier for me to do that. And, and I think that's really the point Paul's trying to drive home. Like, you have been, you have received this incredible metamorphosis. You were this worm, <laughs> a caterpillar, and he has transformed you into a butterfly. A dead corpse into a glory-bearing saint. Now, how many of you have ever thought of yourself as a glory-bearing saint? That's your new title today. That's your Facebook status. You're feeling, I hate those feelings. I'm feeling annoyed, I'm feeling upset, I'm feeling overjoyed, whatever. You're feeling I'm a glory-bearing saint. That's who I am today in Christ. That's what Paul's getting them to to remember. Don't get caught up in all of the rules and all of the things. Do not touch, do not taste, all those other things. He says none of that compares to who Jesus is and what Jesus has already done for you. Don't forget that. And that's the responsibility of the church and of the body of Christ to make sure other people know that truth too, right? So let me pray with you. Father, right now, I just praise you Praise you for my friends and my family that are here today. I pray that they would apprehend this truth today. For one, if they are beginning to realize that they've never fully put their hope and trust in Jesus, I pray that today that they would. I pray that right where they're at, they will confess that Jesus, you are Lord. You want control of their life. You have a better plan for their life than they do. And that they put their trust in you today. The Bible says if you call on the name of the Lord, you'll be saved. And so I pray right now, right where we're sitting, people call on the name of the Lord. If that's you this morning, right now in your own spirit, say, God, I call on the name of you. I call on the name of Jesus. Would you be my Lord? Would you come and would you save me? Would you take all of my stuff and nail it to the cross? Would you make me clean? Would you you transform me? I want to be a glory-bearing saint today. The Bible says if you believe that Jesus was raised from the dead, then you'll be saved. Do you believe that in your heart today? That's what he wants for you. He wants you to be saved. He wants you to be whole and clean. He has the best plan for your life. He wants you to apply this with wisdom, apply this to your life and work it out and live it out. My prayer also is for those who sit here this morning and they they have apprehended that truth a long time ago and they have bought into the lies of the, of the world around them and they don't feel like they're, that you really see them as whole and set apart and clean and without blemish and they keep going back to the cross and pulling all of their stuff off of it, putting it back on themselves. God, no more. No more. Would they just leave it where it belongs, dead on the cross so that they can be alive right here, right where they're at Pray against the lies of the enemy in their mind that they're not worthy or that they're not loved. No more. So Father, just pour out your blessing upon them today. Let them see the truth of who they are in your eyes. That Jesus, you are enough. You are enough. We praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name. Amen. During the song, if you... If you want to come, you need prayer. The core team, all these people that you saw up here, they'll come pray with you if you want to come. But but you have to come. We have to know that you need prayer for us to pray for you. And so we would be more than happy to pray with you right up here or just wherever you're at, just come. So everyone's invited to come to the picnic. And if you weren't planning on coming, plan on coming now, okay? And if you... Want to? Uh, if you want to be baptized, you do have time to run home and grab a pair of shorts and a towel and a t-shirt, and uh, we'll have the water available to do that. And so, if that's what, if that's the knowledge you've apprehended today, let wisdom allow you to live that out. Don't be afraid of that. Just walk it out. It'll be awesome. So, I'm going to bless the food right now for all those that are going to eat. I'll, and if you're not going to eat, I'll bless your food too. Okay, wherever it is that you're going. And once you get out there, just. Start um, going through the line, they'll have tables set up, and then we get out there, we'll eat together, we'll have a short little worship time together, and then we'll have a baptismal service, and then we'll just love each other, keep loving on each other. So let me pray. Lord, thank you for those who have been obedient to you and have given faithfully to support the ministry of this church, and I pray that you would bless this offering that we're about ready to receive as people are leaving, that they would just give with um, grateful hearts and give out of the love that that they've experienced from you. Father, I pray you bless the food that we're about ready to eat out of the picnic, pour out your favor upon the farmer's house and all their workers. Thank you for the difference that they are making in the lives of those who are developmentally disabled in our community. Thank you for their patience and their love for those people and, and giving them a place in this world. We're so excited about that. And Father, I pray that out of your glorious riches, you may strengthen us with power through your spirit in our inner being so that Christ may dwell in our hearts through faith. And I pray that that we would be rooted and established in love and may have power together with all of Lord's holy people to understand and grasp how wide and long and high and deep is your love for us and to know that this love surpasses knowledge. It it blows our mind, God, how much you, you love us and that you may fill all of us to the measure of the fullness of God, and we'd walk out of here and live out of that fullness from this day forward. We praise you and we thank you in Jesus' name, amen. Thanks for being here. Hopefully we'll uh, see you out there. Yeah, the offering baskets will be at the doors. Remember, it's right in between Weston and Platte City on your right-hand side, the farmer's house. Come and join us.